Um, next up, we have um, uh, Jack Owens uh, from Thumb Genetics. Hey, Steve, how are you? How's it going? Good, here, I'm getting the camera set up. Can you hear us okay? Yep, we can hear you all right. Can you see us? Say hi, oh, yeah. Dad. This is my father, Lloyd Owens. Dad, do you want to introduce yourself? Can you um can you get a little closer? Just having a hard time hearing you. I think you're connected to the, the mic is on your earpiece. Yeah. There you go. Does that work better or something? Yes, that's exact. That's perfect. Okay. I'm learning how to do this high tech all the time. Does that work? <laughs> Perfect. Now uh, we can hear pretty nifty. pretty nifty. All right. Well, anyway, um, I've worked mostly with patient diets. I, I treated diabetic patients for 25 years as a prosthetist and, and working with their diets. Um, got involved with medical marijuana uh, about 12 years ago when the system, the caregiver system, started here in Michigan. Then we uh, advanced into adult, adult use as the, as the system progressed itself. So but our main interest was uh, medical marijuana and that's what we've gotten into. And uh, kind of our look down the road is collecting information on the, on the effects of cannabis on, on medical conditions. And that was our impetus into us getting into this industry. And uh, since then, it's been uh, a learning curve, a huge one, and um, been interesting the whole way, and we've come a long way. So Jack's going to start you in our clone room here and tell you, tell you how it functions and what we do in here. What we really wanted to jump into was uh, with aquaponics and everything, the main thing of it all is good plant start and good structure of your root system. And how we like to do that, there's many different ways to do it, but um, our favorite and fastest and best way we like to do it is in these clone boxes. Uh, arrow cloners are uh, some of my favorite things and favorite ways to do this. Um, pretty simple, the only rule you have to follow is to is to keep it clean. Cleanliness is key. Keep it clean. Um, when you get these brand new out of the box, they're nice and everything, and you get a couple runs, and then you notice they might not work or anything, and, or your root growth is slower, your plant's not starting as fast. And main thing and most people find is it's just not being clean, but you really have to hard clean it. Um, so one of the things to do is strip it down, take apart the pump, Make sure the back end off the pump. It's all about cleanliness. Uh, soak it in hydrogen peroxide. Run the pump um, with hydrogen peroxide through the pump. Um, make sure you just get it all clean. I mean, if it looks clean, it's still not. It still might not be clean. So that's the biggest part to get your roots. Um, as you can see, keep all green. Uh, you're really not going to find any yellowing here because. And next, keeping it clean is keeping your pH level correct. Um, depending on the plant, it's 
it's really based off uh, your genetics of your plant, but there is an ideal where you want to be. Um, you can be probably around 6 pH is where you want to be at for a good starting norm. But definitely always keep them clean. Check your pH of your box daily. Um, don't slack on those two things and you should have success. Um, if you want, Casey, come over. Um, let me get some gloves. That's another thing. Uh, you always want to glove up, uh, whether handling anything, always want to wear gloves. Um, just keep it clean. We're about to transfer these. It's going to go in our new room. Um, Big surprise coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, we will show you guys our new room we're working on. We're real excited for that. Um, everything in here is going to get transplanted into that. Um, we will not show that today, but when we get that up and running, we will um, give Steve a call and uh, make an appearance with him and uh, show off the new room. But we got our Cushman strains that run really well, apple fritters, wedding cakes. We have some of our crosses, like our forum cookie cross with our Cushman's. Uh, we have our lemon skunks that uh, we're gonna use that to cross with. And um, mainly right now, that's what we're gonna put in our next room. And then if you look at our ambient temp right now, um, it's about 68 degrees. Uh, in here, and we're not too worried about the ambient temp. Uh, it's mainly trying to keep all these boxes at the proper water temp. Um, you're going to start growing stuff if you're over 75. So uh, pathogens and stuff that's going to affect like root rot and stem rot, that's the type of stuff you want to avoid and with high water temp. That's going to grow that stuff. So keep your water uh, below that in these small boxes. Um, you're going to have more success and wider roots. Um, let's head out of here and let's uh, go to our fish tank. Check all that out. But yeah, this is the clone room. That's ready. Okay, hello. Hey, we're here. We come around the corner. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, we can talk? hear you just fine. Okay. Yep. All right. So we come around the corner. It's dead silence with these earbuds in. And then uh, what you see is we've, we're installing another new tank here. This is for the new room that's here. We'll go up on top of the fish deck. You can look down and see everything. These are our fish tanks right here. And we have four fish tanks. Each tank has uh, between 60 to 400 fish in it, depending on their size. Um, we keep them pretty clean, pretty fed. And they're basically some pretty happy fish here as far as the uh, larger they get, the more prone they are to jumping. So you have to net the top of the, top of the larger fish. And then, 
Uh, what we use is we use a an overflow system. Instead of one drain in the bottom, we have two for, for a swirl factor. It gets more solids out of the system. Um, we do use a dual injection system over the top with water and air. And then we have air running independently through the through the tank through a second source. This, if you have were to have one breakdown, your tanks would still have aeration, your fish would still be happy. Um, these are tilapia. We keep the pH on these about 7.2 to 7.4 on the, on the fish. We adjust this pH with sodium bicarbonate. And then as you go through here, you can see the four tanks, each of them overflow into the largest tanks, into the large pipes down through the floor. All these are, are drop fed from an overflow. They continue through. Here we have our solid separator. Our solid separator, um, this pole is exactly what it is. The solids go out, down below, and down to the bottom tanks. And the uh, and, uh, effluent goes through uh, the upper tanks. What we use is a dual sewage system here. And we run both a, a coupled and decoupled aquaponic system. And it, this dual system, system allows us to do that. Um, as it comes through, as it comes through, it filters here, it goes into the end, all these turns here. The solids go down to the bottom down here, and then and the bottom tanks down here. What we have is we have an anaerobic and three aerobic tanks here. And what we do this anaerobic tank is, is where the solids end up, and then that is full of earthworms. The earthworms do their job. We have two filter tanks, and then we have a delivery tank. And that's, that's the system that we use. So we have an upper and a lower sewage treatment system here. And this way we kind of get the most out of it. It allows us to do some, some dosing to the system in a minor way. Uh, remember, aquaponics is start on certain nutrients that have to be supplemented. And those are generally the easiest ones to supplement for it. So it's pretty nice little setup. Um, we run the whole thing. We, this water is heated on the top and chilled down below. Our plants require one temperature of water, our fish require another temperature of water. We meet both ends of that farther. And then uh, um, I think we're going to move on down the ramp down the other side here. And um, then uh, you show the, the tank farm down here. Yeah. And this is our tank farm here. It's so the, the whole system is about 6,000 to 7,000 gallons here. And then I'm going to pass this on to Jack right now. Uh, like Dan said, we use uh, bunfin tilapia for our fish. Uh, Danielle earlier uh, over in Canada was awesome with her presentation on the koi. Um, and that's not something we're opposed to at all. Um, I, uh, later down the line, we are going to get into koi. Uh, right now, uh, bluefin tilapia was uh, the readily available type uh, about a year and a half ago. And so we went with them. Uh, they are a little more feisty when they're hungry. We do have separate tanks for their sizes. So our bigger ones are in a different tank. 
and the smaller ones are in a other size tank. Uh, they seem to beat up uh, the littler fish if they are hungry, and uh, they are more aggressive uh, than a koi fish. Uh, but they are uh, not very susceptible to disease. They uh, can handle the fluctuation in temperature. Uh, if you do get it too high, they will start breeding. Um, so we always main, make sure to maintain our uh, temperature and everything. Um, right now, uh, Dan's about to feed them. Uh, and this also adds, when we feed these fish, this will add uh, our phosphorus to the water or something. If we need, we will change their diet in order to add and supplement this water. Uh, there's a lot of different foods out there that you can get. Uh, yes, they are organic, but make sure to read those labels and uh, do your research. Uh, because if you're looking to add something to your water, something in that food might not have it, and you're not getting what you really want to add. Um, there's other supplements that you can do. Uh, but the main thing we like to do to add to our water is about how we feed the fish. Okay. We might have had a, I think he might have wandered out of, uh, out of Wi-Fi range there. Uh, I know this happens before, this happened last year with uh, Habitat Life when they were giving us their presentation. Uh, we walked too far and lost Wi-Fi, so I'm sure they'll join us again in a second. <laughs> no worries, these things happen. You have rooms with lots of metal and bracing and, uh, and grow lights and other things. Especially if you have a ton of ballasts of HA. Are we back? There we go. There we go. Very good. We lost you. But hey, um, one of the things that we thought of when we built this place is there's not enough forethought, and we certainly had the same mistakes that our 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 electrical system. It's like you still have an issue. There you go. Something about your uh, particular spot you're at is, is affecting your signal, I think. But we're away, we're too far away from the Wi Fi, huh? Possibly, yeah. Well, that or the, the metal around you, the exact spot that you're standing, maybe. Well, I mean, we maybe. use our Wi Fi, we use our Wi Fi pretty much forever. So anyway, we bring in 1,200 amps of power in here. We, we're using less than 300 for our whole facility. Uh, we bring the power in fairly, fairly discreet, a lot of it all at once. And what we do is we use these different uh, transformers and we generate whatever power we want. And we try to run the whole facility off of three phase. The higher we can get it, 480 is our favorite. 
All our lights run off the 277 three-phase. Most of our motors and pumps are 240 three-phase. We have two big pumps that are 480 three-phase. And then we have all of our air conditioning and our HVAC systems are all 480 three-phase. We generate, you know, if we want 110, we generate 110. If we generate um, force 80, we can generate that. One of the biggest things, the money savers for facilities, that, that this is a big secret here, is that you pay for the highest leg on your power. So what we went through is we went through and we balanced these legs on this on all these fuse boxes we have dozens of fuse boxes in around this place and so you go through and you balance the power in each one of those fuse fuse boxes so that you can bring the amperage to, to all an even level and at an even level you're going to lower your cost considerably the power company charges you on the highest leg usage of your power so you want to bring them down average them all, move the wires in your fuse box so you get that amperage level the same across that fuse box. And when that amperage level is lowest and average across those fuse boxes, your power bills will go down considerably. And so that's what this entire end of the building is about, is about keeping our operational costs down. And that's what we've built into here. And so, okay, Jack wants to add, Um, another thing that a lot of girls and um, a big tip that I'll share with you guys uh, on power saving, especially on the commercial side, um, a lot of these things, like we use the Trollmaster systems for all of our rooms, and you have the dimming capability to dim those with whatever light sequence, so if you're doing your 12-12, you can have them fired on uh, to whatever percentage throughout the day. And then you cut them off at 0% once the light cycle for the day is over. Um, a lot of people just have their ballasts constantly on while that's going. And they just have the troll master set to zero. So your light is actually on. Uh, your, your light is off, but your ballast and your power is actually running the whole time. So that is just skyrocketing your bill and yeah the lights off but the thing's running and it's not running at full or anything but you are wasting dollar bills out the window and what we did is you can install an analog switch a timer switch and have kind of a system of redundancy with that with your analog switch turning off the actual power to your ballasts and then your troll master turning off at whatever time set you want your lights to turn on and off. So that is something that a lot of commercial girls do not do. They just have their ballast set to dim zero and that thing's always fired on. Um, it's more common than you would think uh, in the greenhouse, uh, indoor grow. It's something to definitely look for and it definitely adds up and saves you a lot of money. Get the, we'll do it from the top. So we have this ramp in our inside of our building. 
runs down there. We're installing plumbing for a, the new tanks that are going in. You'll see it over the top when we're down there. But we use this to our advantage. So what we have is we have gravity flow down into those tanks. Yeah, and so we're adding we're adding water into these drainage pipes constantly by by gravity, and then they drain into the tanks down there. We have a pump down there, and it pumps it up, and then pumps it up to the fish and the fish deck, and then from the fish deck it starts the whole process over and down through the down through the plants again. The the big thing about our pumps, and I'm a firm believer in this is using there's a thing called variable frequency drives. Variable frequency drives in a commercial setting will nearly double the life of your of your pumps and your motors. It also allows us instead of using valves which cause brack pressure on the motors, it allows us to actually set the frequency on the motors so that they just don't drive as hard or you can drive them harder. You can actually go past capability using a frequency driver. And so, so what you can do is you can balance the flow of, of the water going in, going out and make it exact so that this pump is always running and this pump is always running. So between the two of them, you get the exact water flow you want. Every one of these pump systems is redundant. If one fails, we have one backup to come online. And then so that way there's no, no hesitation in it. We have, as we'll walk on down, what we have also is we have an overflow tank. And this allows us, when we turn the system off, there's a whole lot of water still in the system and it takes a while to drain. So we put in 250 gallon overflow tank. We catch all that overflow. And then when we fire the system back up, we pump it right back into the system. So we're going to look down at this over the top, okay? As we built this, the rooms are in the center. All the, all the amenities are around the outside of this. Here, here's, here's one frequency drive. And you can see, I don't know if you can see the number, but that pump is running at 3,600 RPMs right there. Here's another frequency drive right here. You can see the water is always splashing into those tanks, always draining out of those tanks. We have an overflow system over there that will hold 250 gallons of overflow. And then we have the new 1200 gallon tank that we're getting ready to bring online right now. Um, over here is more equipment panels. Like I said, there's dozens of panel boxes through, through the building. And then Jack's going to come along. We're going to go into one of the flowering rooms here, and then we'll have a have a thing. Each one of our rooms are twenty by sixty. Uh, that size allows us to uh, avoid being too square, so you don't get too much trapped air up into the corners or, or too much HVAC dead zone. So, so um, yeah, we went through that. So we're going to go into the room here. I'm going to pass it back to Jack.
Looks like they're having connection. There we go. Just leave it. There we go. All right. There you go. Now oh, you're back. Sorry about that, Steve. No worries. Yeah. All right. What we have here um, is we have our beds. We have a double decker. You like kind of go up, Casey. You can see. Kind of go up here. Uh, we have a double decker system. Um, it it has about five hundred to six hundred gallons of water, uh, which is a lot of water to control. So in our new room that we have in our new design, uh, we have gone from 5,400 gallons of water to 1,400 gallons of water. So um, I'm excited to show you guys a new system. I wish it was online for you guys to see now, uh, but it will be a big surprise and coming up soon. Uh, but right now, um, we try to maximize canopy with our space. We got... Um, Right now we have 500 gallon bed. What we use is actually, we've gone through a lot of media. Uh, we've gone through dual root zone, uh, which I do love. Uh, it really gets a plant kick started in that soil. And then once it grows through and hits that water, uh, it really is a hardier stock. And it's a very nice plant with the dual root zone. The one thing about that is on a commercial level, especially uh, when we're going to like 10,000 plants in a facility, uh, dirt is kind of something you want to eliminate from bringing it into your facility at that point. It's more maintenance that you have to deal with, more time, it costs more money uh, with bug prevent, uh, preventative maintenance, and it's just one more thing to deal with. Uh, so what we've done is uh, we've done hydrogen and we've tried certain plastic medias, um, but we've moved to... Uh, to this uh, media called Tetrabase here. Um, and it's heavy, it's, um, it's got a, it kind of naturally stacks on itself. Uh, it doesn't seem to lock up the plant or anything. Um, and it's best thing about it is it's pH neutral. And um, as you know, um, on a cube with the dry back or even a hydrogen, something like that, if the pH changes around those, around that stock and those roots initially coming out, it's gonna, it's gonna mess with the plant. So something that's pH neutral is very beneficial. Um, so that is kind of what we've been going with now uh, after some trial runs and everything. It seems to be the best thing for us. Um, I am a fan of the dual root zone though. Um, I really enjoy that method. Um, and when we do expand one of these days to maybe a greenhouse, uh, we'll go back to uh, that method um, on the outdoor platform. But really, the uh, hardest thing about these are is controlling your flow rate and your water rate. Um, there's a lot of plants stacked here, uh, but in a DWC system, you can stack your plants uh, without really messing them up. Uh, but we are going to single them off and once we do that, we feel like the roots aren't gonna entangle with each other. There's gonna be less stress. Uh, the plant's gonna be able to kind of branch out a little more. 
with this system. Uh, we have noticed we can land the lights right on top. Uh, you can get your 660 or 800 par in flowering. Uh, the LEDs are one of the most one of the greatest things now that they got them going. Uh, HBS, uh, even though it does work well, uh, LED technology is there now and it is more expensive, but if you can afford it up front, I would recommend it. Uh, you can really just get that part of where you want without burning your plant. As long as your MPK and your tier one and tier two nutrients are all balanced correct, you can boost that light intensity up more and depending on your, your EC content of your nutrients or your electric conductivity, uh, you can boost up your uh, light intensity. So you start seeing these growers go and try to shoot for 1,100, 1,200 par. Um, and it all depends on what your relative humidity is, your DTG, your root temperature, especially in DWC, root temperature is everything. Um, you can run this at 82, 83 degrees, no problem. If your root temperature is low enough to be at like your 67, 68 degrees. Um, so with that, I'm gonna pass you off to dad here real quick. Put in. So just to finish off in this room, we, um, we've had this room going a while. This room is only vegged for about three and a half to four weeks. It's in its third week of flower right now. As the beds fill out and go all out, I think Jack's going to pull a ladder up. And as the builds fill out, we add this netting. This netting adds support and stability. There's a lot of air that moves through this. And it'll, it'll virtually, when you're close to the fans, it'll be too much air farm. So there's not a lot of support in the basin in aquaponics. So we try, we try to add the netting. Um, also, these buds, as they grow on, they get very, very heavy. And then they'll try to pull the plant over. So when you have more nets, this, this bed here has three nets on it. And each one of them this will allow this plant to grow up. It also allows us to spread the plant out, to pull the plant out and expose it to more canopy if you want. That way the light goes through the plant more and um, gets deeper penetration into the, into the plant, which, um, which is what we like about the LEDs. Uh, the buds at the bottom. Looks like he's experiencing some technological differences. We'll quote idiocracy there. Um, I'm sure they'll be back here in a moment. I hope everyone's enjoying the conference so far. Well, uh, yo, know, someone was saying about uh, the plat. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Looks like they're back. That's, you missed it, but that's, that's about it. Um, it, look, it looks like Steve's screen. Are you there? Yep, you're back now. Okay, golly, gee gosh. And then, but, but we net it three times for support for the weight and, and support for the stock. 
Um, so as it moves back and forth, it doesn't wiggle that, that root ball just too much. And then uh, that's about it. The air is actually turned down a little lower for these plants right now. It'll be picked back up. But most of the air will go under underneath. It actually doesn't blow across the top. It's blowing underneath. And, and that's a, a, a part that we want to that we want to take care of. And, uh, uh, and so most of this air is actually moving down low versus being, being up high. And then uh, we're gonna walk back out the room and we're gonna walk back to the front and we're gonna go through our little science room right here, okay? What we found in aquaponics is that everybody Everybody can tell us that, oh, what aquaponics is, you have the fish, you throw them some feed, um, you have to supplement a couple items and everything, but nowhere in the literature and looking around, you find exactly what your water has to be, okay? So, but what, so we're, what we're working on is we're working on figuring out the ratios and what goes into the, to making the plant, okay? And so we developed a little science department over here that we're walking to. And we bought some testing equipment. So we test our water every day in the facility, okay? And by testing our water every day, we um, get Sarah's graphs. And, and so by testing our water every day, we use this science station, comes from Hannah. It's a real simple thing. We can run um, 92 experiments on our water, plus we can custom design a few of them. And so what we do is we know what's in our water. And really what it is, is, is you could supply all the nutrients to the plants, but, uh, but if you don't have them in the correct ratios to each other, then the, then the plants don't do what they need to do. So um, what we do is we establish those ratios that the that the and we're learning and trying to build that curve because this is one of the pieces of information that's really not out there is to find the premium ratios like um like potassium calcium and magnesium are a ratio that should be on each other um magnesium you know responsible for almost every every one of the reactions in the plant that's got to be in a relationship to the to that calcium the um, sulfates have to be in a relation to the nitrates. Have too many sulfates in ratio to your nitrates, then you don't get nitrogen uptake. You know, there's all these little things that that do not affect plants in the field as much as they will that that they're sensitive to in in inside an aquaponic aquaponics, and that's what we're trying to do. We test the water, test all the all the different factors of it. Um, a lot of them are hard to test because they're not salts and all these experiments work on the salts. And um, so there's tough to measure them. So it is something that you have to build over time. What we do is we take this data, we graph it per month, we graph it for a couple months, graph it for six months, and we watch these curves rise and fall. And then we watch them and we plot them on the same graph, you know, like the magnesium, calcium, and the, and the potassium. Those are on the same graph, so you can look at their relationships as well. So that's a very important part of, of aquaponics that, that you don't have to worry about so much in a smaller grow, 
but in this larger commercial thing, we're trying to bring it down to anything that's worth a couple percent on a large scale is quite valuable. And so the, anything that's worth that couple percent, you know, if you can improve by a couple percent, that's what you're after. And so while you build, you know, a, like say for instance, a good light, you know, you want that light distance the right way, you, you know, enough cooling over it. There's a lot of other factors that, that affect the, the performance of every other feature in, in the aquaponics. Um, aquaponics, once these are balanced, you can run these rooms at some very high temperatures and, and do photosynthesis as a, at a rate that, that is beyond what you can achieve outdoors in, in a natural sunlight situation unless you're doing aquaponics outdoors. And, uh, but still these, you try to tie all the factors together, find out which factors are impactful and start adjusting those by a little bit of percentage here, a little bit of percentage there, so that the end results is you've come up with a gain on your commercial. You know, a 1% change over, you know, over 10,000 plants or 2,000 plants is, is a lot of weight gain which is a lot of income that, that we need to try to capture. And, and then, so we use this science room. Guy spends three hours a day in here measuring, breaking down our water, both for our fish and for our plants. And because like I said, we run both a, a decoupled and a coupled system. And we, you know, it, it's coupled for a while, it's decoupled for a while. And, and we have various reasons that we're trying out and saying, Hey, this is why we're doing this, and and um, so as we keep experimenting, we keep on trying to find out where the goalposts should be, and then get to those goalposts is what we do. And then uh, I'll turn you over. Oh, I see. He's hitting the off button when he transfers the audio when he goes to switch the earbud. That's what's happening. Uh, He'll be back with us here in a moment. Sorry about the whiny puppy in the background. I'm not quite sure what his... There we go. All right, we're just really bad with Apple products. <laughs> no, it's fine. I think he's hitting the button when he pulls it out of his ear by accident. Yeah. All right, but what, but what we have here, Steve, is a, a spectrophotometer. And this is by Hannah Instruments. It can measure up to 96 elements in our water. And, and with that, it doesn't measure it all at one time, but uh, just checking one test at a time with the reagents that we have. Um, if this is something that you can afford and you are very serious, especially on a commercial side, instead of sending it out to the lab and getting it tested and waiting for results, seeing a more exact reading uh, say you want your iron reading or something like that and you're thinking it's low and you're reading at like 0.53 or something like that um, whereas you want it to be more towards two milligrams <laughs> excuse me mil milligrams per liter so something like this definitely can check yourself and it's definitely a tool that gets used every day um, it's necessary for this type of uh, scale of grow. Um, as far as helping us learn with the process, um, it helps with what we're gonna follow your spray or what we're gonna 
need to feed the fish next. It, it kind of maps out our plan um, and eliminates a lot of guesswork and checking a leaf to see, oh, well, we're starting to see some deficiencies in this. Instead of seeing the leaf and what it says, we're more likely to see the number first versus the changeover in the leaf. Uh, we'll see it in the water first and kind of plan our attack before before we actually even see the change in the system. Um, it's uh, very similar to like uh, Danielle was speaking with her numbers and everything. Um, it's, it's something that's very important to the cannabis system. Uh, cannabis, uh, everybody compares it to the tomato, but it's really more similar to cotton than anything. Uh, and there's not a lot of tests for aquaponics on cotton. So uh, you can see the numbers and the milligrams per liter on like your nitrogen, your phosphorus, uh, your potassium. You can see and we'll find those numbers and what my urban farm or my aquaponics tomato numbers need to be at. But as far as cannabis, it's not really public knowledge. And I know uh, a lot of people on our panel and everything today, they probably have those numbers, uh, but it's, it's something that you really have to, everybody's facility is different um, and it's something that's not readily accessible to the public. So um, if guys like us keep working on it and figure it out, um, one day all that can be public and we can really just kind of, everybody can grow with more ease. Um, so as long as we're laying down the footwork, um, we can figure out what's the perfect ratio, what's your balance at, what kind of what kind of MPK scale are you really needing? Uh, because as we notice in aquaponics, at least, you don't need that, well, 2.2 EC and blowing out the water and everything. You don't need that. Um, yes, it works if you can dial it in correctly, but it's dangerous and your plant can change overnight with that type. Um, you got a little more cleaner, a little more softer, um, easier scale and you can still get giant yields off of your aquaponics and DWC crossover. Um, and the water, uh, the water does work with, if you're just using soil plants, if you can maintain this water and get it down, it does work by feeding soil. It does work with, uh, with cube and rock grows and everything. It's this water is not just for your parts per million and on your NPK scale, it also has to do with your beneficial bacterias and your microbials. Uh, and that's what we're doing in the aquaponic system. That's the reason why you're making that fish tea. Like there's that brand out there called Fish Ship and they're making a killing off of it and they're selling it all the gross stores. Well, that's what an aquaponic system is doing. You're, you're taking that fish and you're taking that um, and you're turning it into something that's beneficial for your water. So can you, uh, can you turn your phone, the camera? Oh. There you go. There we go. All right, I'm gonna pass you over. Don't hang up. Is it going? You're good. You're not yeah. hang <laughs> we should have bought two sets of these things. All right. So anyway, uh, what we do is we we have a system, and each part of this tank system has a different type of bacteria in it that always ends up all over everything, and uh, throughout the whole system. So the beneficial bacteria are are 
the biggest factor in here and the health of these are. So the pH adjustment and the water temperature is actually designed for the benefit of those. And then everything else benefits off that. Even our, um, even our, that we learned to do all of our pest management that we've learned, we've done that all with microbials and, and all with uh, pro active fungi and this kind of stuff that after they've done their job, they just die out and go away because there's nothing left for them to eat or digest or to grow on. However, they attack uh, whatever kind of pest you have. Um, we, use, um, we use a lot of nature to control our environment here. We have, we're in Michigan, so, so we got a, actually half of the year or better where, where it's well under 70 degrees outside. And uh, so we use that for both our HVAC, for our ventilation. Um, it keeps a lot of our costs down. Um, it keeps our building cool. And, um, and so that's, it's all about the environment, the health of your, your microorganisms in your system and the controls you put on your water. And uh, so that's, that's the biggest thing that, that we try to, to take care of. We use the aqua shields and the, uh, and the HydroGuards and, and these kind of products. Um, there's a lot of others that we use. We try to vary these products too. You want a mixture of these because every bug that attacks, every, every microbial that has a good side has a bad side. And, and I gotta say that, that we buy our bacteria because when you go to a pond and you get bacteria out of a pond, or you get bacteria out of the earth, you get the parasitic and you get the, the bad as well as the good because that's what nature has. And nature has an ability to generally overcome bad with good. And what we do is we just buy it ready to go. You know what type of, of different bacteria, bacilla, whatever you wanna buy. There's strings of them that we use. I mean, just dozens and dozens of them. And we buy those so that we know they're pure and, and we have no cross-contamination from any harmful bacteria in that. And then um, you add it. Each one of these things has a treatment program on it. You should treat this once a month. You should add this every 12 weeks. And each one of these bacteria that we add has, has a life in the system that, that we run up to its expiration date and then you push them more. If you change these or if one of these dies out, you can see it in your water because it, it, it affects the uptake of the plant. And then if we see that, that for some reason our nitrates levels are running a little higher than, than what they should be on a return, then we know that we're not getting enough uptake of, of the nitrates in there. You can bump the bacteria that way. Um, and, and, and you can do it almost instantaneously. It takes a you know, a quarter cup, a cup full of something, throw it in there. 20 minutes late, later, it's working by a chance and uh, like a champ. And by the next day, it's, it's reproduced. And, and, and then the next day, it's into the billions. And then it just happens so fast with the bacteria. Um, can't stress it enough that it keeps the bads out of your water and try to just make sure that your water is cleaned. And, and what we do is we fill our system with RO, let the two filtration systems do it, let the plants filter the water for the fish and just create that, 
cycle that goes round and round nonstop. And that that's what we've done here. We we're hoping that, you know, we've got the recipe for success for now, took some time to figure it out. And, and now we're moving forward with that. And so we're, we're going to show you our trimming facility now. Okay. I think Jack says we have 10 minutes for questions here. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. If you want to show us something real quick first, we can, oh, yeah, but yes, we do have 10 minutes left to, uh, for your talk. Well, okay. Um, can, you, can you hear me, Steve? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Um, we're going to go this way. Uh, it's not too big or anything right now, our, facility, our trim facility. Um, but right now we have a room where we will do some hand trimming, uh, but mainly we, um, a commercial setting, you kind of need to do um, auto trim. And uh, we'll have a batch one uh, trimmer coming along soon. But right now, it's this, this really takes down the manpower, but we run the blades slow. Um, we run everything real slow on our, on our T4 and our trim saver because um, we don't really like to beat up the bud um, and knock off those trichomes and take away from the plant. So uh, we try to do as much hand trimming as possible, um, but when there's just too much load, um, we go with the T4. Um, and really that kind of concludes our tour. We're back over to our clone room. Um, back in here where all of it starts. And uh, if you got any questions, um, uh, we are uh, open for them. Sure. We, uh, so have you had any, um, how much water are you going through each day with those drum filters? I know sometimes with the drum filters, we use, we use about 150 gallons of, of water with the drum filter. Well, that's, and not bad. That, that's not that bad. Um, part of it helps is that, that with the drum filter is that ours is set up at maybe a little, just a hair higher of a speed. Remember, we use a dual filter process. So that drum filter really doesn't have to work as hard. Our, our, our goal is to get it through the filter, not to hang it up in the filter. And, uh, um, and it really just collects, it doesn't have to collect as much big particle because our drains on the bottom, we actually have three drains on the bottom. We have two big drains on the bottom of each one of those tanks that add a swirl filter. We have a smaller drain on there that runs constantly. So there's constantly a flow out of the bottom of that tank as well, and as well as the overflow at the top. And so what we do is we're sucking down the solids and we take more of them off of the bottom than what people do floating up and using the overflow. You gotta remember the most of them solids aren't floating on the very top. They're in the, they're in the different stratas of the water. So it's easier to pull that waste down and out than it is up, okay? We even are um, experimenting and we, we try to recycle everything we did in the past and we've gone back to it to where we recycle our condensate water. Um, the idea is, is to be, have a small footprint as possible. So in the end, that 150 gallons that we draw off of there and then you have a couple hundred gallons in the course of the day that are given up due to the, the, the dehumidification and the air conditioning that we run in the system 
And the idea is to recycle all of that condensate water and put it back into the system. Whereas condensate water contaminates very easy due to the trays and the, and the grills that are in your air handling equipment. It gets dirty, so it has to be cleaned. Uh, one of the best cleaners is a, is a cleaner called Oxine. It's used to uh, clean food lines in, in, uh, in the food processing industry. And you can use that same product to clean and sterilize water before it's put back into the system. So we have a, a truly a minimal loss system here by, by recycling all of the water at all the stages that we have. Does that answer that question? Yep. We had another person okay. ask about the media that you're using, those black, the black media. Yeah, the Tetra base. Yeah, so what is that? They're asking what it was made of. That's made of a, a fairly dense polyethylene is what that made. And then uh, it was done on a, on a carver, on a plastic carver. And then after it was kind of perfected, it was done on a, it's a blow mold process. So those are mass linade. Um, they're a very heavy media, so they're real nice to keeping the plants steady. Yeah, yeah so we'll little, ask little, if, uh, if that can be OMRI approved uh, or not. Re reused? No, uh, oh, OMRI yeah. approved for, for organic. Do you know if they'll approve oh, yes, that? Yes, it can. It, can it, it ought to be because it, yeah, it, it is OMRI approved, is what I was just in for. Okay. Nope. It's in patent pending right now. And, uh, but it will be because it's pH neutral and it can be cleaned to um, clean back to its original surface. So it will be omni approved that that shouldn't be a, pro a problem with that at all. And because um, you can go take it back to its original state. And that's one of the things that for Omri they're looking for is that, hey, do you alter that substance through its usage? And, and in this instance, you're not altering that substance. Um, because it is pH neutral, uh, it doesn't support growth on itself very, very well. Okay, it's not like hydrogen. There's a lot of porous pockets that can collect debris. And actually, the problem with the hydrogen is some of that debris it collects is, is not good debris, not good bacteria. It'll grow in those crevices. We don't have it. And we don't have any of those problems with this with this with this media because it doesn't have the hidden crevices. When you clean it, you can clean every bit of it. You can pretty much just soak it over, soak it in the hydrogen peroxide, and it's good to go again. So yeah, it, and we we reuse it from harvest to harvest. It's a little more expensive, but the fact is, you don't have to rebuy it every time. It is reusable, and so it's to our advantage. We had someone else ask if you use lactobacillus at all in your system. Yes, we do. Yes. Awesome. Uh, uh, have you noticed any, you know, change with or without it? Yeah, we do like we do like it, and we do we do feel that that it's a, one of the plus bacteria to add. Um, we do add it not by itself. We do add it in conjunction um, with. There's a mixture of like eight or 10 that we put in at the same time of which that is one of them. Awesome. Um, uh, someone else asked what your feed rate was. Our feed rate varies. Um, we, ha we have a, a pretty strong feed rate. Um, I haven't gone like grams per grams too much except for when the fish were little. 
I I go by more of, of the idea is this is how much they will eat in three minutes. And what they eat in three minutes is generally enough to, to hold them and consume them. The fact that they get fed every day takes some of the worry about, oh, am I giving them enough grams per, per usage? Um, the uh, After a fish reaches certain size and in the tank, they're all different size. It's hard to go, okay, I got you know, a thousand grams of fish. So I give it, you know, 3% or 5% of its body weight per, per a feeding there. You know, when you've got uh, tanks full of fish and they're all varied in size, that becomes a very difficult thing. It, those, those body weight per gram things will give you a base to start with, okay? And every now and then we will pull a fish out and weigh a fish, okay? Not to say that we disregard that completely, but we really go by the amount of food that can be be fed in three minutes you know we add that that food a, a scoop at a time we don't we don't just throw a couple pounds on you know or or so many grams on we add that a scoop at a time so you can monitor the rate at which they're feeding it and and that's how we do it more than by body weight awesome well, it looks like we're just about out of time but why don't you tell everybody how to find you and find out more information about your your, your uh, flower. Yeah, we're, we're at thumb genetics, like the thumb on your hand. Uh, all and one, all, one all one word, we're... We're on Instagram. We've got a new website coming up. Um, we have social media starting and in a couple of weeks that we're working on. Um, like I said, we're kind of new at this game and, and we're just really figure, figuring it out. Uh, Jack has a sample of our product here. And that is one of our Cushman lines. And uh, we, we pre-packaged that for sale. That's something new. We started our packaging and, um, and it just makes it easier. Um, this is a cleaner way. Um, everybody knows that things like aspergillus and this kind of things are floating in the air get it in the package as soon as you get it the curable curable state that you want then throw it in a package it'll keep it cleaner keep it flesh fresher for a longer period of time uh, the less air attacking it uh, the better it's going to be and then uh, as long as your humidity is true. true yeah you gotta you, internally that bud has to be at a certain certain moisture content before you can package it up yeah yeah you don't want the earthy buds yeah anything else uh no that's it i really appreciate you taking the time to come on thanks a lot for showing us your facility all right thanks a lot steve you be safe okay thanks a lot take care thank you take